You are listening to Peace to You, a series in the book of Philippians on how to find sanity and peace in a crazy and uncertain world. We're going to be looking at one pillar of peace, and that is friendship. We're going to talk about friendship and why it's so important. And I think we all feel the significance of friendship in our lives, especially in a time of quarantine where we are socially distanced, where we are in many ways isolated from one another, and things are just way different than we're used to. And the stability of friendship is something that we crave. So what we're going to learn about today at the end of Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 17 towards the end of the chapter, is what it means to be a good friend. Not just what kinds of friends we want, but but how do we become good friends? friends to other people uh, who are around us. And we're going to look at three examples of Christian love and Christian friendship. And the first one is in the Apostle Paul, the second is in Timothy, and the third is in Epaphroditus. And we're going to look at ways in which the gospel shapes the way they treat one another and the way that they love their brothers and sisters in the local church and how we can do that as well. So let's dig into the core of friendship. First, friendship must be selfless. Friendship must be selfless. If you listen to the way that Paul describes his ministry, he says, I'm like a drink offering being poured out for the church at Philippi. In other words, his whole life is devoted to the service of others. He's completely given himself over and he cares about their holiness. He tells them, I want you to be lights in this dark generation. I want you to be holy. I want you to look different than the world. And I'm so concerned about that, that I'm devoting my whole life to teaching the word of God, to encouraging you in the word of God so that you be the people who demonstrate the love of Christ in the world, who demonstrate the holiness of God to this dying world. That's so crucial to me. And we see that also, that same mentality is in Timothy. Paul talks about how Timothy has a genuine concern for the the welfare of the church at Philippi. Genuine concern. It's not about flattery. He's not posting something and just saying some nice, sweet nothings to people. Now, he really actually is bothered by their problems, and he really cares, and he, he prays, and, he, and he has, he's emotionally invested in the well-being of these people who are at this church, and he loves them. He has a genuine concern. And we see Epaphroditus, who's actually a guy that the church at Philippi sent out to minister to Paul. So he's a member of the Philippian church. And Epaphroditus actually gets sick while he's trying to take care of Paul. He gets so sick that he's, he's basically on his deathbed. And uh, what's amazing is he doesn't want his home church, he doesn't want the Philippians to know that he's really sick because he's afraid that they're going to be too worried about him. He doesn't want to burden them. That's how selfless he is. He goes, I don't want this to be about me. I want to keep doing my mission to comfort Paul. And then when God spares him, when God heals him, Epaphroditus sees it as another opportunity to keep comforting and serving and continuing in his mission. So he sees his health as a tool. He sees his ability as a tool for God's kingdom to minister the word of God to the people that need it. God's spirit has freed us to serve one another. That's what freedom is for. It's not just to flaunt all these things we can do. It's never for that. It's it's to build up the body of Christ. God wants us to get over ourselves and get out of ourselves so we can care for others, right? Sometimes when you're in a spiritual rut, the best thing you can do is to stop thinking about yourself, stop navel-gazing, and go and serve other people. Go find somebody to pray for. Go find somebody you can encourage with the word of God. And that's what God wants you to do, to get you out of your own head, to learn 
selflessness, and that's a key to friendship. The second key to friendship and being a good friend is consistency. Consistency. Paul's mission is not this one-time thing. He's a continual offering. I mean, he's consistently teaching and preaching and sacrificing and suffering for the mission of God. He even talks about how he carries this anxiety over all the churches, right? It, it keeps him up at night. How's the church doing? Are they loving one another? Do they have the mind of Christ? Are they serving one another? Are they faithful to the gospel? He's worried about this. And that's why he ends up sending Timothy because he wants to be cheered up to hear about their progress. He knows them and cares about them enough that he's been consistent He consistently prays for them. He consistently consistently wants to know about them. This is not something that's a one-time thing. It's, 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 It's the tenor and the rhythm of his life. He also talks about how Timothy has a proven track record of service in the gospel and that Paul approves of him. Paul sends Timothy because he's like, look, this guy has proven his mettle. He's shown the tested genuineness of his faith. So if you get him, even though you don't get me, if you get Timothy, it's just as good because he imitates my character, right? This is a Christ-like guy. He's been tested, he's been under pressure, and he's been consistent in his life and his teaching. And you want that kind of person in your life, someone who's consistent. What they say is what they do. What they do is based upon their values. They have integrity. They have a track record of faithfulness. And Epaphroditus, I mean, Paul calls him a fellow brother, worker, soldier, messenger, and minister. You don't get those names unless you've been doing that for a long time, unless that's your reputation. Wouldn't it be great if we were known as a brother, as a fellow minister, right? As a fellow soldier. I mean, that says something about the kind of life that you live. So Timothy, Paul, and Epaphroditus, these guys are consistent day in and day out with living out obedience to Christ and faithfulness to the gospel. They have been tested in many ways, and that's why they are people that you want on your side and friends that you want. And here's the deal. You don't drift into consistency, right? Consistency requires disciplined effort by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to start praying for people? You got to set times and you got to write names down and you got to ask questions. What do you need prayer for? How can I pray for you? Hey, I have prayed for you. Right? If you want to serve people, you've got to actually be there for them. You've got to actually know what their needs are, and you've got to put yourself on the line for that. You've got to say, I'm going to risk time, I'm going to risk resources, because I'm going to consistently be there for you. Not just a one-time event, but they can know, man, you're, you're a reliable person, and I've seen your track record. So we got to be selfless, we got to be consistent. Finally, a good friend is joyful is joyful. More specifically, a good friend rejoices when you rejoice, right? They lament when you lament, but they are happy when you are happy. They're not angry that something good happens in your life, but they, they act like it's, it's as if that good thing happened to them. That's how joyful they are. Paul finds his joy in sharing it with the church. He says, I, I want my joy to be complete. I want you to rejoice with me, to be glad with me. It's appropriate. Share my joy, and I want to share in your joy. I want Timothy to tell me all the great things that are happening so that I can be cheered up by hearing about you. Timothy and Epaphroditus are to be received with joy and honor. Paul says when these guys come in, man, Treat them like beloved brothers. Treat them in the Lord. Have a respect for them. Have a love for them. Have an honor towards them. Paul wants to know about them to share in their faith. And they want 
Paul to know their joy by sending Epaphroditus. They want Epaphroditus. Like they're sitting there going, man, we, we need the love for Paul. So we're going to send a guy to him to comfort him. And, and Paul even says, I don't know what I'd do if Epaphroditus would have died. He was such a comfort to me. I had so much joy with him. And I'm so grateful the Lord preserved him. I mean, that's so much of the essence of life, the joy of being in fellowship with the people of God. You see how desperately Paul wants to see them in person. All of his letters, he's saying, I'm coming. I'm going to be there. I want to be there. I'm trying to, the next ship I can get onto, I'm going to sail to you. I want to be in person with God's people. Do we have that same mentality? Do we miss our church? Do we feel like we've lost something good? You know, one of the things that we're worried about with this live streaming thing is even though it's a way for the word to still be preached, we're worried that that people aren't going to lament that they can't be in person. We're worried that that we're just going to turn church into convenience, that we're going to lose that physical proximity, that that idea that we're in this together, that we gather together. We're the the ecclesia. That's the Greek word that literally translates to assembly. God's people, when they gather the local church, is an assembly, a physical gathering of God's people. And and in this crazy time, we can't do that. But but I hope that we lament that we can't do that. I, I hope this doesn't become some convenient thing where we can go, well, I can sleep in and and, and, and just catch the broadcast, the live stream later, or I can just listen to it on the podcast. We should be sad. I mean, we should be like, man, I cannot wait for the time when I get to see the faces of my friends whom I love. Community shares joy with one another. And we can't do that over the long term if we're so isolated from one another. And that, that's one of the greatest things that we've lost. And if you think about it, Love God, love your neighbor. What happens when you love your neighbor as yourself? It's double the joy. Because not only do you find joy in in the goodness of God to you, but you find joy in the goodness of God to others. You get to rejoice in their joy. And then the more friends you have, the the more pockets of joy you can rejoice in. And the whole body, when it loves one another and grows in joy, just continues to exponentially expand in their capacity to love God and love one another. It just builds itself up in love and love and joy and rejoicing. And that is how you find peace with God's people, serving God's people, loving God's people, praying with God's people, singing with God's people. And when we are deprived of that, we should lament and we should pray and ask God, Lord, bring us back together so that we can share in this joy to a greater degree than we ever have before. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure that you subscribe, share it with a friend, and follow us at Four Oaks College, where you can watch this on Instagram TV.